0: Hey, pretty baby, are you ready for me? Get yeah, you good, I can daddy
1: down for Tennessee. I'm just that awesome Bible saying a tone with a radio blasting and a bird dog No
0: local Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Hardcore Troubadour. My name is Brian Wallace.
1: And my name is Tyler Short. And uh, to start off today, uh, Brian, I got to tell you about a bumper sticker I saw yesterday. Please do. Is one of the funniest bumper stickers I've ever seen in my life. Um, It said, honk if you love Snoopy or are insane. <laughs> no punctuation. I'm into it. No picture of Snoopy. Did you honk? I thought about it. But I couldn't decide which reason I would be honking. (laughs) That's the beauty of it. But I guess I
0: could have honked for both. You could have honked for both. That's true. You love Snoopy? Snoopy's pretty cool. Yeah, I I fuck with Snoopy. Yeah, I think uh, I
1: I like Free Spirit and uh, all the the Snoopy shirts they made were were cool. Yeah, this is dope. Um, Yeah, one of the craziest bumper stickers I've ever seen in my life.
0: It looked as if it was a one of one too I, yeah custom job like where do you buy that you know who else made a good snoopy shirt self-defense family what's did, it, didn't it have funny text on it, it too yeah it's the one that says if you hate cops so much then why are you acting like one
2: yeah
1: there it
0: is it's a picture of snoopy with like a such a good shirt
1: yeah i know i i i, I forgot that's the, that was the snoopy shirt the other day uh tom made fun of patrick for having that on a shirt because i guess patrick was a borderline cop caller on somebody recently
0: yeah uh, well you know it's different in australia well i think he was <laughs> i think joking. he was
1: he he called the ebay police on somebody
0: ah <laughs> uh, yeah i mean i would it's funny the things like in, i'm 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 with that though in my general life 99.9% of the time not a narc, not whatever. I'm going to figure out another way to take care of it there. When I lived in a building in Manhattan and I thought, no, I didn't think. And I realized my neighbor was running an illegal Airbnb out of there Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: having fucking like cokehead Euro tourists coming in and out, blasting techno at like four in the morning on weekdays when I had to work. I fucking called that shit in in a heartbeat dude and I was like I'm gonna get your ass evicted and I did so there you go
1: I can say for certain I've never called the cops I talked to a detective once after I got robbed Mm. and was asked to to point out who robbed me in like lineup like photos not uh um and uh I wasn't sure who it was and he was like very honestly detective was like very cool it was sus because he (laughs) was like he was like don't point anybody out if you're not sure and surprised to hear him say that and i didn't and then he was like okay well now your statement ends now and he pointed to somebody who said that was the guy oh and i was like oh oh i guess i thought like because he had like a bunch of black marks on his face, like, like colored over, which I assumed was like coloring over like tattoos.
2: Huh.
1: Um, but no, it was covering over contusions because
0: oh, he when
1: he got he, when he got picked up, he uh, he led the cops on a chase and crashed and totaled a car into a telephone pole and was all fucked up. Sounds they like may that. have beat him afterwards, but yeah. he was very fucked up from the car accident as well.
0: So, sounds like he didn't have a very good day that day.
1: He didn't because he only got away with three dollars and two flip phones. I would have, I was about to say
0: yeah. it. Anyone in Louisville or wherever, if you're looking for somebody to rob, Tyler Short is not the dude.
1: No, and dude, it's such a funny story when I when we got robbed because he robbed me and my friend Jamie, the brokest kids who lived at the house. We both dropped our wallets and dropped our phones that were both burner phones essentially mm. and then i started because he said phones and wallets so we threw them on the ground and then my hand started to hover to throw my ipod on the ground and i can consciously remember having the thought he doesn't know you have an ipod
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and i didn't throw my. IPod
0: thank god you didn't throw the ipod on the ground. how long yeah, ago know uh
1: this was like 20, 20 12 2013 i can't remember I, another mistake was still going on
0: got it i also want to clarify something from a few minutes ago when my neighbor was running an illegal airbnb i didn't call the cops they you wouldn't called airbnb done. cops they wouldn't have done shit yeah i called fucking called the cops. city yeah the air, i called housing i called the city uh, okay because that shit was like no nah, it's got to you know because basically the city's on that shit because they want their cut mm-hmm. you know what i mean and so if you're there's all kinds of like regulations and shit like that but yeah i had to like i found the listing and i was like this mother like our building is not approved for that and i was like you're giving fucking randos keys to get into my place man like that's not if it's if it's your own place whatever you know what i mean like that but like we share all this shit you can't be doing that
1: i can't remember did they pass that regulation on airbnb to where people can't own so many of them
0: they passed a lot of things in New I don't know in general, but in New York basically now, if if it's not more anything under 30 days, um as like a full occupation of a house or apartment isn't legal. Like you can rent a room in your place, mm-hmm. but if it's something where you're like renting out the whole thing, they would consider that an illegal hotel. So it's got to be at least a month that somebody okay. stays there. Um and you know it's 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 pros and cons, right? Because on the one hand, fuck them because they were taking – this was a way that landlords were – they were making more money by renting an Airbnb out Mm -hmm. to tourists, taking housing off the market, right? For people that need it. So Mm -hmm. it was artificially driving up prices, scarcity, and all that. Um, On the other, the main people that got the law passed were the hotel lobby, right? So it's sort of like my – Um, you know, my, we, we shared a common enemy at that point, I guess, but their their reasons for opposing Airbnb certainly weren't the same, but yeah, dude, I don't got, I mean, I've, I've used it and there's, there's the joke now too, which I've found to be true. Like it ends up being a bummer sometimes when you're like, okay, not only is this not really any cheaper than a hotel, but also I have to do fucking chores before I leave. You know what (laughs) I mean? Like. Because Rutger and I used to do that pretty consistently, depending on where we went. Because I think I liked, like we we did, we went to Montreal once, which was fucking sick. And I loved, because we stayed in, in an apartment in a cool neighborhood where there weren't mm-hmm. any hotels. So we wouldn't have gotten to like be around be there. there if we yeah. were like stuck downtown in like a touristy place, you know. Mm-hmm. And like the the lady that owned the place was like sweet old lady. You know what I mean? That like lived upstairs was just getting extra money. That's dope. I like that, you know, but it's, it's a much more nefarious thing in a lot of places. Um,
1: Yeah, no, I mean, there's those, like, I think it's like in the Carolinas, there's like whole neighborhoods that are, were just Airbnbs at one point in time. And it's like, no one even lives here. Yeah, dude. But in the summer they're like occupied every night. And it's like,
0: Fuck yeah, the artificial scarcity. So then people don't have a place to live or have to play pay you know 75% of their income to live somewhere. It's either landlords doing that or you know like fucking BlackRock buying up entire neighborhoods, everything. Um, yeah, yeah, the housing market is fucked. Um, and I don't know how we got on that. Oh, yeah, when I snitched the one time that I the one time snitched. you snitched, yeah, and I'm and I don't regret it at all. But is that the did. only
1: time you've ever snitched?
0: yeah I think so. And it didn't call it didn't involve the police because the same. I've never called police. I've called nine one one like witnessed somebody get hit uh, by a car mm-hmm. on their bike. So I called nine one one as a witness for ambulance, but I've never like called for police. Um I don't think I've ever snitched that I can recall,
1: but I know there were points in time before I knew better than that that i think i wished someone would snitch on somebody for doing
0: something bad
1: i hear that before i understood how like incorrect a train of thought that is
0: i've felt that way before you you know your story about the detective when you got robbed reminded me when i was a kid my mom and i got robbed outside of the walgreens in memphis um super quick he flashed a gun he said give me your purse she handed it over and then he like ran the fuck it was, yeah. it was on foot um you know and we just went inside the store right they called the cops for us i was nine or ten at this point and i got you know with no knowledge of any of the systemic shit going on a very early preview of policing where like just from the beginning, the cop was just like, Yeah, whatever, fine in the sky, whatever. Yep. He was like, I'll yeah, uh, I guess I guess we can do a report if you need to like fucking, you know, insurance. Insurance or, and shit, yeah. you know. That's basically the only real function of that the it police serves in situations. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I need a piece of paper so I can get my shit. You know, like that's that's really it. But they were they made clear that they were not even gonna try to like find this dude, yeah. even though like for what is it? we got a good look at him I don't know but they weren't they were like not even interested so
1: yeah the only reason my the the dude got caught was that high speed chase he led people on and he had robbed like five more people that night too
0: um he was on he what was, they call a spree
1: yes he was on a spree
0: a young man on a spree you might say <laughs> good song great song um well shit yeah, man. Hey, before we start talking about Steve Earle and music, Tyler, you, um, you told me that you had a story about Barry Weiss. Oh shit! Yeah, is, is that appropriate for the pod, or should we talk about that at some other point? Um. Well, so I I was listening to
1: uh I can't remember what podcast it was, but they brought this up that she's got like a um like a fucking National Review ass fucking like blog website news thing that she's passing off as you know i guess like content or whatever sure um and they're of course like very on a specific side of this whole israel gaza situation um but one of their big articles recently was like something about like complaining about like tipping and how like tipping shouldn't be something that's expected. And they were like, it really doesn't do the Jewish people any service for out of Not one fair. side of your mouth to be like advocating for like the slaying of children and out of the other side be like actively contributing to the stereotype.
0: Dude, she <laughs> is fucking awful. I like, know, I hate true, her so truly. much. And I, I didn't even know who she was five years ago. I mean, I was a better, I was much happier before I knew who she was Yeah, fucking, you know, she, the way she basically got her start when she was an undergrad at Columbia was trying to get professors fired, Yeah, like, you know, smearing basically every Arab professor there as anti-Semitic or anyone who we're not talking about, not even critical of Israel, just acknowledging Palestinians' humanity. Yeah. What, you know, she would deem anti-Semitic and was running these insane smear campaigns to get people fired, ruin their careers, ruin their livelihood. And then a few years later, she's one of the leading voices complaining about. About cancel
1: culture. Yeah. Uh it's awesome. I was
0: like, dude, just a Uh true scum human. And also. She's younger than me. Whenever I see these fuckers that are just like. It's so gross, dude. It's such a weird thing to look at somebody and be like, you're younger than me and you act like this.
1: Yeah. Fucking losers, dude.
0: What a loser. Yeah. It's
1: just loser shit, man. It's loser behavior. It's pretty crazy. I. Yeah. uh, yeah. I just it made me laugh so hard. I was like,
2: that is very fucking
0: funny. (laughs) I know. And she's like, and another thing. Uh. Oh. Oh, what an asshole! Fuck Barry yeah. Weiss. Um, mm-hmm. I hate how much your name sounds like Barry White too. Who's a cool dude? Um,
1: yeah, I hate also. Um, so uh, as uh, on on the subject of Barry White, and um, when I was little, I kind of couldn't tell the difference between Barry White and Isaac Hayes because they both had very similar voices, and Is I didn't you know racist? what either of them. Yeah, because you know. <laughs> all <laughs> people look like um no but they're they both have deep voices and they're singers sure. so like when i would sure. hear that i couldn't tell the difference between the two and then i had to learn that those were two different people and then now and then isaac hayes is crazy scientologist
0: is isaac Hayes still living
1: oh i guess I maybe he'd... he's
0: he's a memphis he's, guy you know maybe
1: he's joined zenu at this point
0: yeah i think he's in a in another dimension now good for Um, him yeah he died in 2008 in okay in our shared hometown of memphis tennessee shout out isaac hayes you were in addition to kick ass with shaft uh you were great as chef on south park and amazing
1: and i'm gonna get you sucker
0: oh hell yeah yeah what a flick (laughs) he contributed a lot to the world Actually. what a flick that shit rocks hell yeah my mom used to make me watch that when i was little it was your mom made you watch i'm gonna get you sucker that rules. yes
1: i loved it dude i thought it was so funny it's the first time uh it was chris rock's first appearance
0: yeah man That's on amazing. film amazing
1: fucking awesome oh. so cool
0: oh <sighs> i i need to re- it's been way too long since i've seen who else was uh keen and yeah, yeah yeah oh man it's so good
1: I'm. Um, I i can not remember anybody else in it now. Um, it's so good. It's a biting social commentary, dude. A lot of those movies are. Fuck the man.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, fuck like 1988. Matt rules. Heroes hey, I was born. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, youth crew. Um, it was a it was a good year for the straight edge. Um, clearly, well. We're going a little bit before that then, right? Um, for 1986, yeah. To 1986, also a great year for hardcore and for Steve Earle. Was um, this Age of Quarrel? This is Age of Quarrel. Yeah. Yeah. 86, I think of Age of Quarrel. I think of Rain and Blood. And I think okay. Guitar Town. Three. That's a three, that's a three three trifecta. Beasts. Yeah, that's a trifecta. But you're covered. Yeah absolutely
1: whatever you need you're covered with those three
0: good year yeah absolutely and the Mets Um, won the World Series and they haven't won again since so all good shit um so we're going to talk about this live record that was recorded at an Austin City Limits in 86 but wasn't released as an LP until the 2000s
1: yep and uh I got a uh I've got a little a little blurb from uh, Terry Lacona, who um, I thought said Tony Lacona, and Brian, luckily corrected me before we start recording. But I'm gonna let you guys peek behind the curtain to the fact that I can't read cursive. Um, they don't teach he, it in school anymore. They don't teach it in school anymore. And the longer I go not having being forced to write cursive, my signature gets worse and worse. <laughs> yep, same. Um, but yeah, he says. Uh, in September 1986, Steve Earle's first album was Shaking Up Nashville in country music circles like nobody else had done since Willie Whelan and the original Outlaw Gang. He was a skinny kid from San Antonio, Texas, the oldest of five kids whose dad was an air traffic controller. He got his first acoustic guitar when he was 11 and listened to the Beatles, Creedence Clearwater Revival, and Elvis. But he had an unquenchable thirst and curiosity about all kinds of music and people. He was no doubt a rebel, running away from home several times to hit the road, playing honky-tonks in honky-tonks and bars wherever they would let him in. During these hitchhiking and traveling days, he was befriended by the legendary Texas singer-songwriter Towns Van Zant, of whom Steve said he was a real good teacher and a real bad role model. That rocks. <laughs> That's
2: great. <laughs>
1: of all the things that we've already, of all the, what I've just read that we already knew, that is one I haven't heard yet that rules. That's awesome. Uh, Steve left home for good at age 16 and moved to Nashville. This show, his first appearance on Austin City Limits, captures the excitement and free spirit That uh, and free spirit of that first seminal album, Guitar Town, which was nothing less than a collection of personal odysseys. He was certainly a musical renegade from day one. and That's one thing about him that hasn't changed. This performance displays the vintage Steve Earle sound that paved the way for a new generation of country rockers willing to buck the Nashville system. I love that the Austin City Limits guy who is still doing it, still doing it, had that to say about
0: Steve. Dude, that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, thanks. For I sharing love
1: that. I love hearing old dudes who are like want want to watch people fuck it
0: up. Yeah, man. And you got to th- like this dude has seen how many hundreds of acts come through in Austin yeah. City Limits. He's a producer, um, so it's like worked intimately with everyone you've ever seen that's played Austin City Limits. Um, that's really fucking cool, man.
2: Yeah,
1: awesome. But yeah, yeah man, I uh. I again, this is one like the uh like the just an American boy and like sidetracks I hadn't dug into before we started this podcast, so I waited yeah, till we got to it to listen to it. And uh crazy to listen to a live set with no Copperhead Road songs.
0: Right? Yeah. Weird. From this early, he plays Guitar Town and some songs that would be on Exit Zero.
1: That weren't
0: out yet. That weren't even out yet. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can say
1: Devil's Right Hand is a Copperhead Road song. Not this version.
0: Not this version.
1: Yeah. Not this version. He has yet to play it the way he would play it now.
0: Yeah. He didn't even know how to play a mandolin at this point. Hadn't even attempted to. Yeah. You know? Um, what would become his signature later god
1: that's so crazy
0: Um, fucking bucky baxter on the anytime you hear mandolin on this record it's bucky baxter playing it um but
1: even with him just playing off of songs that would be on exit zero and guitar town it's so crazy like no i ain't ever satisfied
0: yeah i want like someday it makes you wonder like was it even written yet yeah or was it was it even like or was it you know done because that's weird to hear those are staples to this day it's clear he was like promoting guitar town and throwing in some of the new shit that he knew was going to be on the next record but like yeah some of the best most classic songs that are still set list mainstays today yeah yeah like i don't know it's just
1: crazy it's that was like my first like listen through i went Holy shit, it's crazy to not hear a single Copperhead Road song. Right. Like, even if it's just Copperhead Road. He hasn't written it. You have yet. none of that. Like, it is just yeah. this like honky tonk kind of sound right now, or Steve's version of the the honky tonk kind of sound.
0: Yeah, man. It didn't even exist yet.
1: Uh, it's 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 so crazy. I don't know. That it's just it really, it really took me back every time i listened to it to be like man i'm pretty psyched on some of these songs on this but it really does feel like there's things missing here
0: yeah because we're just experiencing it in hindsight and i think that was true you know even in 2004 when this came out you know because like that's what people would expect from a steve earl set list i think the only way somebody wouldn't have felt that way as somebody that was actually watching this either in the audience or on PBS in 1986 when it came out.
1: Yeah. And I'm curious too, like, I think about this sometimes, especially with like artists that go, that have such a wide spanning range because I'm like it with people who I got into years after the records came out, but only liking like a window Mm -hmm. of output. Like me with um, like, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of somebody, but where I only like like a, I don't only like like a select few records, like in the middle of their, of their releases. I had somebody on the tip of my tongue and then I fucking lost it. But um, Green Day, I like from the beginning, yeah. up into a point and then I would fall the fuck off I with Green Day.
0: First four records um, are all great.
1: Yes, um, like Kerplunk's a fucking masterpiece.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: um, but. I I would I would wonder at this time in two thousand and four, who was listening to Steve, who maybe had never reached back to Guitar Town and Exit Zero.
0: It, you know, is there a? I think there was probably a significant amount of people, yeah, because of because of all the press generated from Jerusalem, and him becoming more, you know, back in the. I feel like, for the first time since you know sobriety and the comeback yeah he was like in the news like as, as a as a household name again and so I, I i wouldn't be surprised and i mean maybe that also explains part of why i mean the, like pretty soon after this they started releasing even more live stuff
1: yeah you know what i mean well, so and i'm also curious too like just just like to opine on this for a moment like thinking about if you got into Steve Earle with Jerusalem, with all the attention, or yeah. if you got into him with, I feel all right, because it was showing up in like pop culture. Right. Or if you, or if you got into him with El Corazon, because you know, you just read the review in a magazine and this is a time we're in the CD era right now. I'm curious how impressed his early records were on cds that you could just go in and get them from Mm. a store because you're still buying cds from a store right now too or doing the the catalogs so i'm curious like access wise if this created a fever for getting a hold of those earlier records and i'm also curious if it caused them to reissue those earlier records in a higher quantity because the demand might've been there for people to dive back into his, his catalog.
0: Dude. I think, I think the answer to all those questions is yes. Yeah. and, the, and the, sure. the the evidence that I have just based on personal anecdotes. Right. So this time period too, I was in half acre gun room. Mm-hmm. We were covering someday, you know, we were like, we were fucking Steve Earl heads on the, you know, we yeah. were like making Obscure, Evangelist. obscure Duke's references to audiences that knew nothing about it. And fucking those first records all the way up to the hard way. I was listening to on burnt CDRs mm-hmm. that somebody that either Brian Hartley or someone else had made for me. Um, So that was how like I listened to it at home. That was how I like learned the songs to play as covers and all that. I didn't, you know, I, I I don't think I could have probably walked into fucking Tower Records and been like, what do you... Where's your to-? Steve Earl section? Yeah, if I had gone to Steve Earle, yeah. they, it would have been Jerusalem and I feel mm-hmm. all right. You know, like, so I think that, I think you're totally right. It's just crazy to think like how, like, lucky
1: of a time for music consumption we're living in right now
0: we have access to everything. It's, it's so easy to take it for granted,
1: man. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Like, I mean, even if you're going to pay for music, you can pay for like, even if like you can pay for anything, you can get it. Yeah. It might cost you, but you have the access to it. You don't have to dig crates for things Mm -hmm. like you can just find it online.
0: You can find it online. And I'm, for this in particular, I think it's so cool because it's not just access to the record, but access to the video too. Yeah. Like I'm thinking about somebody prior to this or even fucking prior to the YouTube age who wanted to watch that Austin City limit set. You'd have to know somebody that had a fucking Paper recording net. of a recording of a <laughs> recording from when it came on PBS. Yeah. Right? Like, and they, and they, you know, somebody happened to have a VCR that they could hit record on. There's been a lot of fucking. I used to go to record shows with my uncle Robert, um, who was a was and still is a, a Hessian, and took me to a lot of cool like in my in badass. my in my pre-hardcore life. Um, some badass metal shows. He took me to see C O C. It was awesome. Cool. Um, and. and we would go to these record shows that they would have out at the Agra Center in Memphis. And I bought, I'll never forget, like a a bootleg of a Black Sabbath set from French television in 1970. And cause it came in like somebody had made a cover for it, Mm -hmm. you know, like clearly like typed out, typed out the set list, put it in the big like VHS box or whatever. And you could even tell the parts where they had like cut from a fucking commercial, commercial or whatever, yeah. when they were recording it on TV. Now, I mean, I'm grateful for it because I don't have that tape anymore, but like I can, it's on YouTube. Just YouTube it. Yeah. Right. But like, that was like a formative fucking thing for me at like 13 years old, watching this black Sabbath set from 1970 in Paris. Dude, um, That's, that's so funny. I was at, um I was at my
1: buddy's house cause I'm, in process of possibly reviving an old band, oh no! Right shit. now, so I was at our old guitar player's house yesterday, and his basement is basically a museum for like horror movies and mm. records and it in horror movies. <laughs> he's big into horror movies, but um, I was like thumbing through like he's got like this whole shelf of like soundtrack like vinyl and um. And like some hardcore and metal records mixed in. And he was like, oh, I've got to show you this. And he pulls out this cro bootleg to bring it back to 1986. Um, but it's Harley Mags. And it the cover of it has like Leatherface on it. Whoa. And it's a, it's a bootleg of a live set of Harley Mags. And apparently it sounds terrible. He got it just because Leatherface was on the cover. <laughs> but amazing. it's just so funny to like, <laughs> like think about like this time... 1986 like was a time of and and the early 90s was a time of there was a market for just like bootlegging things
0: yeah i mean it was it was a critical part of how some shit got spread was so like, crazy you know like that black market and most people like weren't like profiting off of it it was really coming from like labor you know, of love yeah yeah i want people to hear this so i'm gonna make a i'm gonna dub this tape or whatever so more people can have it Cause they're not going to be able to get it locally. Yeah. That was so true for so many fucking things, man. Um, Like I read one last thing. This is reminding me of in this, this something that was filmed in the eighties, but kind of went pre viral in the nineties before viral video was a thing was heavy metal parking lot. Are you familiar with? No. Um, well, I could do a whole episode about this. So quick <laughs> synopsis. Somebody went to the parking lot of a Judas Priest show in like the mid '80s, outside of it was in Baltimore, just outside of Baltimore, somewhere in Maryland, and like interviewed Hessians like tailgating before the Judas Priest show. Fucking hilarious! Like, that sounds awesome. It, it just it's it is amazing. I'll I'll send you a link after this because everybody should see it. The funniest thing though, is the folks that made this tape, you know, it was just like, I, I, you know, you could, it was like a funny thing that they had at some independent video stores in, you know, like Baltimore and DC area. Right. It was like, Oh, heavy metal parking lot. People were trading this tape and like sharing it around to the point that like Nirvana gets it, you know what I mean? And they're like, there's, there's a funny story of like they would on one of their tours in the early 90s constantly like watching heavy metal parking lot and like making the references and just laughing their asses off. And it's just such a funny thing because now obviously we'd all just like send each other the link to the video yeah. or see it on Instagram or Twitter or wherever the fuck.
1: You used to have to say and then it was like, yeah, VHS. somebody being
0: like, yo, I got this tape and like, <laughs> let's get together and let's watch it. Um, And Rolling Stone did just a a couple of years ago i think like a where are they now yeah. of the kids like actually there and it was just it was like cute you know what i mean to see That's them so like cool. everybody fucking grows up you know what i mean but some of like the wildest dudes from that parking lot in the 80s were like hey, i've been running my own plumbing business uh, for the last you know 25 years and i'm getting ready to retire and here's my you know daughter's going off to college and like this kind of shit um that's so fucking awesome and and, then you know was like well do you still like judas priest hell yeah i still like Judas Priest. (laughs) you know so fucking dude we used
1: to we used to bring a tv on another mistake tours and we would set it like in front of the uh in front of the um in front of the console in between the captain's chairs so that everybody in the back could watch and the person in uh passenger could just like recline the seat all the way and watch the TV. And we would specifically watch if, if Stephen, our guitar player, well, filling guitar player and then guitar player who only did half the tours. If there was anything he wanted to watch, we made sure we watched it while he was driving, was driving.
2: So- <laughs> and
1: then sometimes it, it turned into a bit where like every tour we would watch whatever he wanted to watch every time he drove. That's amazing. So he would have to listen to us watching. He really wanted to watch Crank 2. And every time he drove, we watched Crank 2 (laughs) for like an entire tour. We watched it like nine times. It was so cool. But one, he really wanted to watch Destroying America. And that's just reminded me of because Destroying America was very much like that, too. The hookups video. Yeah, yeah. That was something that was an era where you didn't have the Internet. You had to know somebody who had that VHS. You, You
0: knew a kid who had the tape. Yeah. And it was and usually lighting a shit
1: on fire and being yeah. crazy in a van. And that's what we were doing. So, it, it was, right. It was, it was awesome. A,
0: <laughs> the wildest kid in your neighborhood is going to get access to all these things somehow. Yeah, yeah man.
1: I was it, typically that kid, but
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm just thankful that I've befriended a couple of them. Cause I would, I. it's funny too. Cause like, I never asked like, where the fuck did you get this? Like at the time, I was just like, this is awesome, you know, and like enjoying it and, and fucking feeling so cool. But yeah, it's like now that I look back, I'm just so fascinated by like the, the fucking web of like how, you know, somebody gave a copy to this kid or made a copy or whatever. And how that's how it got to, that video got to Olive Branch, Mississippi. Yeah. You know what I mean? In the 90s, so that like me and my other friends like fucking- smoking dirt weed at somebody's bummer stepdad's house could watch it you know like what a shout out to weird pe- videos people are lucky <laughs> to have
1: access to everything but the weird yidrasil of 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 connections you had to have to watch fucking cky when you're a yeah. teenager
0: is lost <laughs> it totally is well and it's like you know not to get too far into the discussion the polarizing discussion about how kids get into hardcore these days. Right. Cause I like, yeah. fuck it. The, the young energy rules. I am on the side of the youth. And if they say something stupid, guess what? We all did when we were young and yeah. hopefully they'll learn from it and and mm-hmm. keep coming out. But Some people
1: come around to saying stupid stuff when they're in their fifties. Absolutely. As
0: well. <laughs> exactly. You know, so but it it is a just a fact regardless of of how one feels about that right it is just a fact that there's a level of accessibility that there's never been before so that one could get into the music the style the 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 cultural aesthetic and all that without having to interact with a lot of kids in real life yeah and that's just different not mm-hmm. even saying you know it it is just very different from the experiences that you know we had And that most people had and like how to literally get access to a subculture, even if there wasn't gatekeeping going on it, like there didn't need to be because literally it was just like not easy to find. Yeah, The information
1: was, was gatekept naturally by, you just had to know.
0: Yeah. By, by the nature of physical media, Mm -hmm. by the nature of like liking music that it was not going to be feasible to make fucking 50,000 copies of. So there was going to be limited supply of whatever you wanted. And if you didn't happen to like be there, know them, whatever. And I mean, that's what in hardcore, that's why distros are so important.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah. This is bringing back some like, you know, fun memories for me of like finding shit, a fucking, this was like, when I was getting into hardcore was kind of the tail end of this period, but I remember I fucking wrote letters to bands. Like, you know, they'd put, they'd put their address in in their fucking shit and you'd like write to them, send a few bucks and send you stickers, patches, like shit like that. Like that was how you did it, especially if it was somebody that like wasn't going to be coming around your area for a while. You know, like I did that for a few bands and it was like really nice or just, you know, bands would, I mean, a lot of people still do this, you know, but like it was people would become pen pals, you know, just through shit like Dude, that. And send each right other
1: now, um, we've been doing or I've been doing a weekly newsletter for LDB. Um, if you go to LDB502.com, you can sign up for the newsletter and I yeah. send one out every Friday morning um, or it's supposed to be Friday at noon. Um, sometimes I write it Thursday night and time it to send out at Friday at noon. Sometimes I wake up at on at on Friday <laughs> at noon and then have to go right downstairs and write it. Um, but uh, people have been responding to it, and like if you respond to that email, it goes to my email, and I yeah. will respond back to you. Dude. And uh, it's nice. Um, so also, sick. speaking of stickers, if you're listening to this podcast right now, we have stickers. <laughs> We do have stickers. They're a dollar in the LDB store.
0: <laughs> They're a dollar in the LDB store. Yeah. You you want one? Go get it. And go get one. If you're anywhere that either of us are going to be um in the next several We're, we're ordering months, more also because
1: yeah. we're almost out of them. That's sick. That rules. Which me. means I've given out almost
0: 500 of these things. Fuck it. So, so on an average week, there's more people that have the stickers, the stickers. That are that are listening. Got it. We know we know who the who the the fucking
1: i think the stickers might start working
0: now we'll see i think they are dude it's still (laughs) new every episode every two weeks we get some new folks like every time i mean and shout out to our core of listeners who've either been with us from the beginning or have you know joined up gone back like you know it's fun to look at the little fucking analytics page that just comes to the thing and see like somebody just went back and listened to the guitar town episode. You know what I that's mean? Cute. Like shit like I love that. that. I love shit like that. Um, But I, I can't read the LDB newsletter on Fridays. Cause that's when I read my Barry Weiss newsletter. Yes. Um, So that's fine. You know, I have to choose. I have limited time. Um, yeah, man. Should we talk about this record though? Yeah. Let's talk about tracks. So I wanted to say th- the other thing is since we had a little extra time, I both, was able to listen to the record on Spotify, like as it came out. um, But also watch on YouTube, the Austin city limits, like recording. Which I didn't do. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, I, I, I checked fucking, you know, like very carefully to make sure like it was the same set in the same yeah. order. And it is, it is Um, the only thing that's different. Is there are a couple of times that Steve says something that didn't make it on the record, but that was on the live recording. And something at the very beginning of the set before they play Sweet Little 66 is there. They Before they play the opening note, Steve says, you out of work? You hungry? Eat your Nissan. And then they start playing Sweet Little 66. That's Fucking awesome. It rules. <laughs> that is awesome. And I'm assuming because he named like a brand, a brand is why they didn't yeah. include it on the album, but on at the act on the you can see on the YouTube uh, concert video. That's how he opens the set before they start playing Sweet Little 66. What a fucking cool guy. This is
2: awesome.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Dude, uh I my first thought listening to this is I'm so used to the gravel in his voice in this era, it is so crazy to hear his like, his clean voice.
0: Clean and pristine. It's jarring.
1: It is fucking jarring. Cause I'm so used to the gravel in Jerusalem and the hard way. And, you know, I feel all right. And all these records are coming out at this point in time. Cause even in the hard way, he's found the gravel. Yeah. And at this point he's still singing so clean. It's, it's, Fucking wild. Um, but yeah, no, dude. Um, the piano on this whole recording is why I think it's worth listening to.
0: Top notch. Um, the piano is great. Uh, the guitar players, Bucky Baxter and Michael McAdam, uh, shred it. Yeah. They fucking worked, you know, and they typically have one's playing electric, one's playing steel. Mm-hmm. Like, and they switched it up. Fucking sounds great. The other thing I take this thing, song
1: for a walk, too.
0: They do. They I wrote, they came out swinging here. Like, you can tell Steve has just been waiting for this opportunity. Steve and the Dukes, the whole band. Yeah. Like, this is, this was in many ways their like date coming week. out. Yeah. Because, like, this, this is the first, this is a national television appearance, you know? Um, so, like, I've, I, you could, you can just feel how amped up they are. Um, We're in LA. a
1: deep fucking V too.
0: Deep V. It, it, you know, it was 1986, but I'd say like just interesting choices because the, the rest of the band is kind of more looking like what a country music backing band would. And Steve is like in an undershirt basically. Um, but you got to respect that. Uh, what else am I thinking here? Like, oh, the other thing, Tyler... <laughs> We were texting about this. It was hard to punish you about it again. I It's funny. I, I love. No, this is awesome. Time periods. You know what I mean? Yeah. And how like, oh God, we're like, we're further from background music now than, you know, I was from Minor Threat when I got into mm-hmm. hardcore. And it's like, that yeah. doesn't seem old to me though. Oh my God. In those time periods. So like thinking about this was 86 and he was singing about a 66 Chevy. Yep. It'd be like today if I was singing about an 03 car. Yeah. And I don't know any notable so I like in my I head never had I, an
1: 03 car. So me neither. But in my <laughs> head
0: now would be the time that I could get an 03 car. Um but it's funny cuz now in my head I'm thinking about like a song about a 2003 Ford Focus and uh it just doesn't um doesn't carry the same weight as the as the 66 does.
1: I had a 2001 Ford Econo line.
0: Hell, yeah, that was a good van, dude.
1: It was a good van. Yeah. I had that, and then I had a 1988 <laughs> or a 1998 Corolla for a really long time. No seatbelt in that bitch.
0: No, that's amazing.
1: Oh, that should... dude, crazy story about that Corolla. Um, I had to go to the courthouse to do something to keep me from going to jail for some reason. Um, and when I was leaving the courthouse, I oh no, I went to the courthouse to surrender myself. Sick. Because I thought I had a warrant out for or something but they actually just like rescheduled my court appearance because I had to miss so um I was leaving the courthouse and I went out to my car I had a little bit of trouble with the door but like the handle on the door was like was a little jangly and like kind of come out with the key sometimes so I like filled with it for a second got the door open got in the car and like the ignition was weird too And it was like jingling, like like hard to get it to go. And I finally got it to go and turned on the Corolla. And then I put it in reverse. And I put my arm over the seat to look back, to back up. And I went, well, that's not my back seat. Put the car back in, (laughs) drive, took the key out, got out, went to the Corolla
0: behind it. Holy shit. Which was mine. (laughs) But you were still able to get in and start it with your key. I mean,
1: with some difficulty. With some
0: difficulty, but it worked. It That's worked. Inc- dude, that is so wild. It was awesome. <laughs> I love that story. Holy shit. I was
1: just like, oh, my key's being weird.
0: <laughs> dude. Imagine.
2: Yeah. That's if amazing.
0: That, if, if that person had walked out of me just casually stealing their yeah, car. Yeah, in the parking lot of the courthouse. Oh, it was awesome. That rules. Hell yeah. yeah pretty cool. Shout out. To my 85 Mercury Topaz, rest in power. Write a song about her. Dude, I should hey man, I drove that I drove that car to crazy fest um multiple times, actually. To in 01 and 02. So hell yeah. I think it I like to think it'd still be running today, but it probably wouldn't. I got rear-ended by a drunk driver on my 21st birthday. When I was completely sober, you know. Straight fucking edge. Straight fucking edge, dude. cool and it wasn't the car was still drivable but because it was so old and shitty insurance just totaled it yeah and and that's when i first learned about how shit like that works and was stoked when i got at that point the biggest check that i had ever seen in my life Mm -hmm. um but then was not stoked when i realized that wasn't nearly enough to buy any kind of new car car. yeah Yeah, any like the shittiest used car on the lot it wouldn't Uh cover like half of it um so good shit so yeah, had a few more shifts to pick up at Chili's uh, to to get back on the road.
2: Um, I could love it. Um, yeah.
0: So next, they go into "Goodbyes, All We Got Left to Say."
1: Um, I wrote. Uh, shit sounds like Jimmy Buffett for a hot sec.
0: It it does the 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 <laughs> piano's real which uh, hey didn't he he recently passed away so yes he did james buffett r.i.p i hope he's having his cheeseburger in paradise
1: i can't remember who it was if it was you who told me this or if i just heard this somewhere but jimmy buffett on tour so he wanted everybody to have a good time like he apparently really took care of his road crew really took care of like merch people like paid everybody super well like really made sure everybody's taken care of knew everybody's name on like on the whole like enterprise like and every night is fucking jimmy buffett tour be partying at the hotel yeah and every now and then there's there's a story where this guy one of the guys on on like in the band i think was like fucked up and was like looking for Jimmy for some reason and then like went to his room and opened the door and Jimmy was like sitting there like just had like the money box and like all these receipts and was like just doing all the the day to day stuff to like make sure everything gets paid and make sure the like everything's going on schedule and they're doing all this stuff and he would look at him and he looked at the guy and went don't tell anybody what I'm doing in here <laughs> Because he didn't want anybody to think he wasn't just partying like everybody
0: Yeah, he had an image to maintain.
1: It's all an illusion.
0: (laughs) That rules. I know. I had heard, I hadn't heard that story. That's amazing. I had heard he was a good, (laughs) I know. I'd heard he was a good dude. Like yeah. g- generally very, very kind and like took mm-hmm. care of his people, but that is amazing. <laughs> it's like I was finding out. Um, you who was it's it? the opposite of
1: getting caught doing hard drugs. Yeah. Oh, uh, getting caught Ch- not doing
0: hard drugs. Cheech Marin from Cheech and Chong, not a stoner. Never, no, was never smoking weed during Holy any of that shit.
2: stuff.
0: Um, Chong. I can't was. believe that. Yeah, Chong yeah, absolutely Chong, was. Chong was, but Cheech, it was like totally, you know, just a character. Huh. Um. Also, the all-time highest earner on Celebrity Jeopardy ever, Cheech Marin. Cheech Marin? Really? Good for him. He he whooped like Wolf Blitzer's ass, if I remember. That's pretty badass. Yeah, like, yeah, Blitzer was terrible. Um, Dude, so good. Uh, I love that story. But yeah, it does sound a little like Jimmy Buffett here. And I was also noting, like, I don't, they're, they're, there are places where like you said on the record they take the songs for a walk a little bit. This isn't one of them no. um they just kind of does play sound it. great though it sounds really good but you know right here I was just like, yeah man they're they are promoting the record the yeah. record and that's what they're doing. I uh
1: one of uh one of the parts that I noticed that was like really like awesome in this live part that's a little different than the recording when it drops down to just one guitar before the don't try to call me line. Yeah, It drops down to just the acoustic. Fun. Just that's, fun.
0: That's really good.
1: Yeah, that, yeah. That's the one part of this song that like is worth listening to just to hear this version of it is that part is cool. Yeah, man. It's it's, it's fun. It's good. It's a good song. I uh, Yeah. Yeah. But no, you can definitely tell where they're like, pick up the fucking record.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they were on point this whole performance. I love it. And then they go into guitar town and, what I wrote is basically, this is just a flawless version of this song. He doesn't yell watch. He doesn't yell, he hadn't He hadn't, started he hadn't come yet. up with that yet, yeah. Because he didn't know how far he would get. He really didn't know how far he would get. He didn't. <laughs> he had no idea. So he couldn't do it yet. I will say already at that point though, Steve was playing a, a beautiful, not cheap Gibson acoustic during this set. So not a cheap Japanese guitar. Um,
2: oh, they, I
1: had... A thought on this listening to this please share um what i wrote and i'm searching right now just to get ready to do this if you want to if you want to try to do this together it's crazy he wrote what could have been his best song on his first record and then topped it and in my opinion has a song this good on pretty much every record yeah What's the best song on each of his records that we've talked about so far? Not our oh, favorite, man. but what's the best one? Cuz this is easily the best song on this record, right?
0: Uh I think so. Undeniable. Oh, man, you're going to put me on the spot. Exit
1: Zero's got to be I Ain't Never Satisfied, right? In my opinion, yes. I like I I'm I'm a Nowhere Road guy, but I think I've got to say it's I Ain't Never Satisfied.
0: Yeah that
1: is that is a better song and then it's clear what copperhead road is yep
0: what about the hard way though
1: it's the other kind right
0: i think it's the other kind i think it's the other kind. some people TBC. might say uh i think billy austin has become it's a bigger song it's I don't a bigger yeah better yeah that's fair because you know honestly i think billy austin is is the only and maybe West Nashville boogie are the only songs off this record that he still plays pretty consistently.
2: Yeah.
1: But like I said this and I was like, you know what? I bet we could do this in like three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I bet we could speed run this and come up a uh, train of coming.
0: I mean, I think it's mercenary song. But... I think it's mercenary song <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> too. I was waiting for you to say it, but I, was, okay. I was, yeah. I'm I'm thinking
1: that's, that's, that's clearly it, which is crazy because it's the oldest song on that, on that record. Right.
0: I feel alright. I think it's I feel alright. I think it is. Um, you could make an argument for Hardcore Troubadour, um, but I, think, but I, think, I don't think
1: it rips the that, like I feel alright. I don't think it's is iconic.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, as I he, feel alright, he, he tends to come out swinging, um, and I would even say the Unrepentant
1: is <laughs> the most badass song on that record. It's not the best one though. Interesting. It's not the best one. I feel alright. It's got to be the and then El, El Corazon. Where are we at on that one? Man, I don't know. See, there's so many good ones that I don't know which one like comes above the other ones. Because I it, would be between Fort Worth Blues and Christmas in Washington.
0: Yeah. Yeah, either the opener or the closer, right? Or the opener or the
1: closer, right? So it's more or less just coin flip between
0: either of those. I agree. The, the mountain, mountain, I I I think it's Harlan Man. You think it's Harlan Man? Yeah. I would think it's the mountain. It's either Harlan Man or the mountain. But th- yeah. but that's what's interesting about this one, as opposed to the other ones, is those are right smack in the middle.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, like it, it definitely ain't Texas Eagle, um, which is the opening track on the mountain. Even though that's my favorite song. <laughs> yeah, good. Which song, I'm saying, I'm being
1: right. completely like object, objectable on this, and like yeah, like this isn't well. I, this isn't favorite. This is what's the best one
0: here's another when we get to transcendental blues that's another interesting one because i think it's galway Girl.
1: it's galway girl it's got to be galway girl it's 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 one of it one of his best songs period yeah it's
0: it's a song that as i shared before i assumed for a long time was a traditional irish song that he was covering because he (laughs) nailed it so perfectly same yeah so we can
1: skip sidetracks because that's not real. Yeah, but
0: um, I gotta say, shout out to the title track of Transcendental Blues, which is still getting you know was just in the bear. Um, yeah, you know. Did you finally watch the bear? Was, we did. Yeah, good, dude, right? So good, dude. The uh, the the flashback Christmas episode, man, crushing, shattered, shattered yeah. me. Yeah, dude, that the fucking uh, goddamn,
1: uh, which. Uh, fucking what uh the when i fall being in that yeah in that episode when they're at the table dude. fucking god Jamie lee curtis dude
0: she's phenomenal does does maddie do the soundtrack or somebody else no um, somebody else uh, somebody uh the, else. the the, the
1: showrunner and another person do cool. do the sound or the 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 music direction for the show yeah they so did the showrunner i think a lot uh, has a heavy hand in yeah
0: they promoted both i mean it, this most recent season it's almost like they were just like looking at my spotify and they were like okay cool rem steve earl and the replacements got it yep um mm-hmm. so they had your number for the season yeah
1: yeah dude the richie episode where he's working at the other restaurant yeah brought me to fucking tears man what
0: a fucking show dude what a show yes yeah, straight so, up if y'all haven't watched the bear Watch the fucking both, bear. Both seasons. Um, hell so, yeah. all right, we're on
1: Jerusalem now.
0: John Walker's Blues.
1: Think it's John Walker's Blues? Yeah. I could if, I could give you that.
0: If only if only for I mean, okay, so we're saying bet it's either that or Jerusalem.
1: I think it's Jerusalem.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'll give you that.
1: I think I think it's because John Walker's Blues is almost too weird.
0: Yeah, it's too weird. It, it's just it's a it had huge. Culture, cultural cash, but best song.
1: And I also wanted to put that in the context of what, which of these songs gives Guitar Town. Like, gives mm. that impact. Yeah. That, the lyrics, the music, just every single bit of it is just so well crafted. And I think the only one where it's a toss up is, is El Corazon. I think you're right. I don't think I can pick that one, but it's clear on the, every other one. Like, I didn't
0: even argue with you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the and it's so to get back to what we we're talking about at the beginning too. So interesting to take that like we didn't know fucking any of this shit at this point, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Like, if if this is where Steve Earle had stopped at this point, it would it's still a be a high like, note. <laughs> he wrote some damn good songs, man. Yep. Like you'd in any you know writing a song, not even a record, but a song as good as Guitar Town puts you in the upper echelon of the one percent of anybody who's ever fucking released their own music you know and for sure yeah there he is it's incredible you got anything else on guitar town i don't just this is a flawless version and i also noted here i especially contrast this with the um the version on shut up and die like an aviator from five years after this because that is a rough version oh, yeah. of guitar town on that uh-huh. record. And so it just, the tease, voice, everything. The, the
1: tease too, for so way too long. Yeah. He teases going into it too. And I love that by now, the point where we're at with the just American boy, he's almost playing it like a punk song. Yeah. He's just like, let's get this one over with man.
0: He's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, you know, I know what I got to play. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. Um so let's go to Hillbilly Highway.
1: Song Trucks, dude.
0: It fucking trucks and this is also where I noted uh the drummer Harry Stinson is doing the backup vocals and the harmonies and I hadn't fully put that together until I watched live. Yeah. Um but he he nails it. He's the only other he's the only one in this version of the Dukes doing backup vocals and he sounds great.
1: He also m- mixes up the, like the melodies a little bit and how he sings it live compared yeah. to the recording. And I like Hillbilly highway a lot. I almost wish he sang it like this on the recording. Mm. Um, And also the fucking steel guitar on this song.
0: That's all Bucky, man. He's nailing. Yeah,
1: it. He is crushing it, dude. It is so good. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, I, like, I wrote the, the backup vocals like boost the hell out of this song. So like, yeah. no, I like, love...
0: Fun. It's oh, <laughs> just <is> fun. Yeah. <laughs> and also, speaking of, I love the way they closed this one out with the guitars together. Um, there's a mm-hmm. lot of good interplay on several songs between uh, Mike McAdam on electric, either electric or standard or baritone. He plays both. And then Bucky um, on the steel. They sound awesome.
1: Yeah. No, it's definitely they're in sync as fuck right now. Dukes rule, man. Yeah. You can tell this is like, not only is
0: they recorded these songs, but they, well, some of them did. They're a band right here. You know what I'm saying? And that's like, because for so many years, you know, on and off, right. It's like, it's about Steve. And sometimes it's Mm -hmm. Steve and the Dukes. Sometimes it's Steve and other people. Sometimes it's just Steve. But at this point, Steve Earl and the Dukes is the band. Yeah, and like they, they, they really feel like a cohesive unit.
1: He wanted uh, them to be elevated with him.
0: Yes, absolutely,
1: and and have buy-in and capital and skin in the game of this succeeding. with yep, uh, what a cool guy, man. Yeah, man. Even though he was about to be such an asshole for so many years, such a cool dude, hero.
0: <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> I, I think we've made that pretty clear over the course of our. You know, at this point, I don't know how many hundred hours talking about Steve are all together. Um, good old boy, getting tough. Let's fucking Di- go, boys. Dude, it rules. And this is just another point where I'm thinking, man, the contrast between how clear his voice is here with the Aviator set, mm-hmm. um, where they open with this and just from yep. the beginning is like, uh, like you know, mm-hmm. just funny talking man from iran man you know what i mean like it's
1: yeah uh heroin's a hell of a drug man you
0: you got that right this is but that's what i said it's just like this is another one where it's like on fucking point just rocking the place
1: so have you come around on good old boy at this point i have okay because i wrote brian this song rocks if you aren't fully on board you're a bitch
0: well oh i appreciate
1: that (laughs) Um, because this is our moment of contention yeah, in the first in the second episode if, of the podcast
0: if you recall though my contention was not about debating on whether or not the song rocks it was more political context and how it was hard for me to separate how if a song like this came out today now. yeah but like it was a very different world and very different commentary in 1986 yeah, you know what I mean. You see, and,
1: I still even hear this song today, though, in the context of speaking to me, a disaffected white youth. Yeah. In the borderline South.
0: Well, and it ends up being though, like, you know, S- Steve's intention clearly, too, is like he he sees no politician here as a savior, right? Yeah. But it is interesting that both in 86 and nowadays there are people that who could identify with everything in the song and think that either Ronald Reagan or Donald Trump gave a shit about right, that, yeah.
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and we're going to help out the good old boy in some way. Yeah. Which newsflash they didn't and no. they won't. So, no,
1: never will. Yeah. Unless it somehow serves their class interest.
0: Right. Yeah. They were very good at throwing the meat, uh, but I also, they were very good at throwing the gristle right there wasn't any good meat on that bone but they could get you riled up about somebody for sure um
1: yeah no this version rocks though and i agree yeah it's just it's banging piano's banging and and the uh the end just the riff on the song like just fucking ripper dude it's so good very cool so to come out
0: what no i was just saying they go into mild for in the blues yes which is the same Order
1: and That's almost true. indistinguishable
0: from the recorded version. Yeah, I would say these flow so well together, just like on the record. That's what I wrote.
1: This <laughs> song almost, I think, is completely the same as the recorded version. The yeah. same tempo, it could even be the same exact length of time.
0: Yeah, almost. I
1: every... It sounded just studio recording.
0: Yeah, every other song had something, you know, yeah. like a different part. Or you know, lengthened in some way, but yeah, this is pretty much a carbon copy, and it just shows how talented they are to put it out like to time. do that. Yeah, a, a slow song. Yeah, those are usually where the flaws show up. Uh uh-huh. um, And then fuck not, all of them. Yeah, fuck all them five. <laughs> so, um, then they go into think it over. Steve says, "Turn on the time machine." Richard Bennett and I wrote this.
1: That's I, I not hear, in the recorded version.
0: Yeah, that's that's one other example. There's several other things that did make. Why the wasn't that one. in there? That's nice. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I get the Nissan line, but I don't get this. Anyway, what I wrote here is, I never thought I would say this, but I'm missing the more straightforward rockabilly version of this from the record. Like I miss the electric guitar with the slapback delay.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, this is this is the first time on the record that I've had any any criticism so far
1: yeah i uh i wrote the pianos going off um but uh and i couldn't remember but i think i think this song is kind of mids i think i thought that when we did guitar town yeah and then my last
0: thought is it's fine it's fine yeah but i i do think if you're if you're gonna play a song like this with a uh, if you're gonna yeah. be chris isaac you gotta go all the way like the Ain't you know have I, stuff yeah and and I don't think they really did that on this version.
1: Yeah, I think I I think this is a low point on
0: this the entire ne- thing for me. the next couple are before they get me back. Um You you're not for Little Rock and Roller? I mean I am, but the synth parts at the end where they keep going and going, like it's just it 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 feels very it feels very nineteen eighty six. I can kind um, of see that. I mean I, I think rem- this song's always going to fuck me up now, though. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it being about Justin, and at this point, he's a little kid, you know, mm-hmm. and Steve says, the only thing I don't like about what I do for a living is leaving the kids at home, you know? So He says that. He says that on the in the show. Recording. Damn, why isn't that shit in here? I don't know, oh, man. That makes it so much more special. Yeah, he says it right at the beginning. That's
1: so cute. Um, also, one thing I thought about, because I was thinking about Justin being a little kid and the way he he talks about the trucks and steel belts. were you
0: obsessed with trucks as a kid? uh I was and my son is right now I think it was my second word. Wow
1: I think truck was my second word and then my next word was big truck
0: big dude. <laughs> he will straight up point out the window and go the big one, the big one. And you, you don't even have to clarify what the one is because it's a big truck. That's so cute, dude. I Mm -hmm. think uh, I was so into trucks. I
1: can't remember what the book series was, but the children's books were like, it's like a city and it's all chaos. It's not the Richard scary books. Little blue.
0: was about the little blue truck.
1: I'm not sure. It was like, it was mostly just like city scenes with like Mm -hmm. people like hanging out of cars and like, shit just going crazy but um i remember like just looking at those and just looking at all the trucks and being like yes
0: oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is it dude Very it's cool. funny as you say this i'm like looking down in the corner of my bedroom and there's a new truck that we got Kieran for christmas um that is, I'm currently hiding in here that's
1: haven't wrapped that damn oh, that's early early christmas there hey man i guess got... you guys got to get it in when you can get it in yeah. I suppose, no,
0: I mean, it's all, everything was ordered online. We're shitheads like that. So it comes yeah,
1: I, mean, I, I started shopping for Ashton at four o'clock in the morning the other day.
0: No. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's, it's, but when you're planning for a kid, it's more fun. I'll say that. Cause it's like, you know, I think for everyone else, I mean, obviously I love them, but it's, you know, just like sense of obligation and mm-hmm. I've got, with most of my friends and a few other people, just that understanding of like, I won't get you anything if you don't give me anything. And that's usually the easiest way to Mm -hmm. do it. So nobody feels like, oh shit, I'm an asshole. I didn't get you something. The only
1: time Um, I get somebody something that I, if I'm going to get anybody anything, I'm getting it with the hope that they aren't going to feel obligated to get me something. It's just because I thought they would enjoy this.
0: Exactly. Like it's not, I'm not going out looking for a gift for them, but if I see something and I'm like, they would fucking love that. I got to get yes. it for them, right? Um, but it's it's fun when you think about when you, I, I am, my experience currently, you know, ask me in five years if I still feel the same way. But right now I had fun Christmas shopping for my kid. Um, Is also I feel like it, you being a dude, I feel like you'll,
1: you're going to have the same thing that I would imagine I would feel doing it. You're buying what you wish you could play with when you were that little too. Oh dude.
0: Yeah. They have so much cool shit now, man. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I,
1: mean, I do. I do play with it. My dad. Yeah. No, very very <laughs> much. I, when I would play GI Joe's with my dad. Sometimes I'd be like, I think he wanted to buy this more than I did.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. We can do very a lot. Cool. Of... It is funny. I mean, we'll, we'll see how it, it, it's interesting too, just as a, like, quick commentary like we're you know not taking any care to like raise him in a particularly gendered way you Mm -hmm. know like when he's with friends when he's with my niece like they'll play dress up he loves like putting on a tiara and stuff we Mm -hmm. don't ever stop that but most of the things that he wants without any influence from us are just straight up stereotypical boy things like he is you know like we're simple folk trucks dinosaurs like he came out he loves that and i just i i I love my little renaissance man who can fucking you know we can set up magnetiles and knock them over with our trucks and have a good time doing that and then he'll go over to his cousin's house and uh put on fairy wings and a tiara and they'll run around and stuff and i'm like Dude, you're so cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he can do it all. So that he okay. contains multitudes. That's right. That's right. Um that but, know, we'll, we'll see what kind of shit he likes when he gets older. But right now, trucks rule.
1: Dude, um, the uh the last thing I've got on a Little Rock and Roller is the line change. I've only got a minute and she don't want to talk to me anyhow. Yeah. That line rocks. It I really love does. that change that one really that one really fucked me up because i'm like oh they weren't getting along and that no. was that yeah. was a, a decision to change the lyric to that it was like
0: in he is currently experiencing that right now
1: very cool yeah. very cool i uh i love the agency he gives his ex-wife in that, in that line yeah man very cool <laughs> Um, yeah, now we're on to a song from a pretty good
0: hillbilly singer.
1: Yeah, I love that
0: one so much. <laughs> I made all these songs up, except for this one, by a pretty good hillbilly singer from New Jersey named Bruce Springsteen. Where do you um, land on this? I don't like this version.
2: Really? I thought they, this
0: might
1: be your favorite song.
0: No, they they do way too much on this. Really?
1: I just want to like when it kicks in and it gets and it rocks out for a minute,
0: man. I just want to there's st-
1: another version of him doing this song and it is more
0: like the Bruce Springsteen, like version. the Nebraska version. Yeah. I, yes. I Honestly, that's kind of how I want to hear this song. I don't need all the really? swells and extra noises. Yeah. No, you see, I don't think I needed the swells. I think I just liked when it gets loud for a minute. Yeah, they definitely like they they made some some interesting choices. It just didn't work for me
1: damn I thought this was going to be your favorite I I really liked this um I I thought I thought this was cool I I I was can I was thinking it's the version that I'd always heard mm. and then when it kicked in and got heavy I was like oh no I have not heard this version so maybe it might have just been because I was really expecting the version that I'd heard before coming in because there's there's a version off of a best of record I think mm. Of of him doing this, and it is more faithful to the original. But uh,
0: well, it, it's interesting here because we'll we'll get to it later. But even though this is an actual Springsteen cover, I feel like later uh, on Angry Young Man when he plays the harmonica, he mm-hmm. gets really Springsteen. In oh yeah,
1: moment. yeah. No, I don't. I thought that. I thought. It, I thought it rocked. It kind of it made the hair on my arm stand up at one point. Well, damn. I'm sorry to yuck to your yum, dude.
2: But I no, you're like good.
0: <laughs> You're good. Hell yeah. Uh, well then, uh, on to Nowhere Road then. They got me back here. Like, and this is my guitar dork thing, man. The the way that, you know, Mike McAdam on the Telecaster and Bucky Baxter on the Steel are working together here just so damn good. It's right up my alley. Mm-hmm.
1: Dude, I, uh, yeah, I just wrote, I would love to see this song live.
0: Yeah, man,
1: me too. I haven't seen him play this, and it was just it would just fucking rock to see him play mm-hmm. a different song off Exit Zero.
0: <laughs> yeah, even even doing this solo acoustic, I bet he could make it sound damn good.
1: Yeah, no, I fucking I I really fucking love this song. I think it's um I can't remember was this my favorite song on Exit Zero? I can't remember what what I was I anymore. I've got my notes from every episode we've ever done, still saved. I, yep, it was
0: well damn mine mine are all in separate emails that i write to myself that's cool that's, that's a little behind the curtain um i keep them
1: in a notes app and it pisses ashton off because uh she uses the same we use the same apple id mm-hmm. um because i just course why, why would i need one yeah for my singular device but uh um and it really works out because then if I lose my iPod, she can always find it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is it's
1: technically her device. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Um, but yeah. It, it it now she's got in her notes app. If she goes to all notes, she sees inclination lyrics, constraint lyrics, hardcore troubadour notes, a list of books I intend
0: on buying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just. You know, taking up all those, and as as I laugh at that, as I'm on my partner's Zoom account at the moment, as I'm on my partner's Zoom Zoom account, I love being a burden, dude. It rocks, dude. Yeah, just deadbeat dudes being burdens. Mm -hmm. Um, The week of living dangerously. Uh, Well, at least I'm not this guy. Um, Yes, truly. So, uh, you know what I love on this song when he yells, "Okay, Dukes, let's rock." Dude, the way this song starts is killer. Yeah, fucking rules, man. The way this song starts is fucking killer, dude. It's badass. Um, there's some yeah. real. I wrote the guitar dork in me is so happy right now, man. They are just on fire, dude. My appreciation for fucking piano is just yeah, all
1: over the shit, dude. This this whole record is piano for me. It's it adds so much to it with it being, I guess, a little heavier in the mix. Yeah than Definitely it is. is on some of the recordings but yeah this song also makes me think about have you ever heard stories about the brothel in tijuana that bands go to no
0: sounds horrifying to me uh i, I do know that there are a lot of brothels in tijuana but i wasn't aware that
1: bands i heard it described to me as
0: uh
1: i've heard it described to me as the um the bar at the end of from dusk till dawn and my response to that was, you know how that movie ends, right? I was like, are there vampires?
0: <laughs> oh, shit. Angie Everhart was there? Sick. Salma Hayek was there? Salma Jeez. Hayek? Yeah. Jeez. Dude. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I'm in or out. I'm I'm out.
1: I'm out. I, I I don't think, I don't think I want to see how people I love would behave in a place like that. Yeah, man.
0: Cause I'm like, I know like either if, if you're in a committed relationship and you're not, or in, and not in the type of relationship where that's a thing okay, yeah. that you, that you do, I would just be there as a voyeur and I don't really want to do that either. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause to your point, like I'm interested in weird shit and, and, that is like a cultural phenomenon, but I don't want to be in there with like my dudes. No. To your point, you know?
1: No. If, if I'm in, if I'm in there, I would like to spend the, the, the amount of time I've spent in any strip club I've ever been in in my life, which is less
0: than 30 minutes. I mean, I'm the same way. I've been on a lark during a friend's bachelor party and I come out just thinking like, well, so you pay money, can't touch you can't touch myself so you basically what are we doing here <laughs> you pay do dudes pay a lot of money to like get blue balls in those I places guess. i guess so yeah. um it, you know there are obviously in certain places ones where there's a lot more than just dancing going on mm-hmm. but i i know too from having known people that are dancers that a lot of places are like fucking real serious Very about yeah. that shit super strict there's bouncers everywhere mm-hmm. kind of stuff so Yeah, um, it it is. uh, I've never quite understood the point, Um, and and not from a prudish perspective, just more of a like, well, why would I just sit here and get myself all worked up and then just be out money and uncomfortable?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean for me, it's the out money part. Like, (laughs) I I I spent the first twenty two years of my life having never tried a burrito because it cost over eight dollars for a burrito. And I wasn't sure if I'd like it, and I couldn't justify spending that much money on food I might not want to finish.
0: Is burrito as big as your head? Still open?
1: Fuck yeah, it is. Hell yeah. I believe it's still a cocaine front as well.
0: Yeah, of course it is.
1: Ashton, and that's that. When we, when me and Ashton started dating, that was like one of the first things I can remember her saying. Where I was like, "Oh, I think this girl kind of gets it." That's awesome. She was like, "Yeah, that place is definitely like a front for cocaine, right?" And I was like, "Oh,
0: cool."
2: Yeah. You think about
0: shit like that, that's awesome. That's why hardcore kids loved it so much. I don't know. Uh I remember I went there one time with a bunch of people during a crazy fest. And I you know how there's so many scenes from your life that you know you just never remember, but there's these tiny things that will never leave. And what it's gross what I will never forget is one of the people working behind the counter who's preparing the food had a mole on their neck with hair growing out of it. Mm -hmm. And the hair was like really long, man. Mm -mm. Like it gave me the, uh, and like, I I can still see it now. 20 years later. Yeah. So shout out. I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah. I still ate the burrito though. Um, I was hungry and it was good. I remember that. It's fine. Um, I'm sure there are a million better places to get a good burrito in Louisville. Um, let's uh let's be angry young men.
1: Steel guitar on these slow songs, man.
0: Dude, so good. And this is Steve puts on the harmonica. Um, and that's where I said, like, hey, see, he him putting on the harmonica here. Reminds me of his Springsteen-like qualities even more than the the Springsteen cover does. Um, yeah, the steel is amazing. The organ um, does some interesting stuff here um, that they don't on the record. I think it's great.
1: Yeah, no, it's cool. It's a good song. I uh, I think the sentiment in Angry Young Man is is really awesome, and I wish I wish people took that shit way more seriously. Like,
0: yeah. why we are so angry. Dude, speak for yourself. I'm fucking happy as shit. I mean, I'm... I'm I'm, I'm just... I'm playing. No, I mean, I
1: have a good time. But no, I'm incredibly I, angry. <laughs>
0: yeah. Same. Same. Absolutely. I, um... Rutch and I were walking the other day. And... Two women behind us on the sidewalk... We were having, it was a beautiful day. We were just gotten a cup of coffee. We were on our way to pick up Kieran. It was like both of us had gotten off work early. So we had like a little bit of time before we went to pick him up from daycare. And then these two ladies walking behind us are like singing Christmas carols in harmony. And I got so mad and we were just laughing later about how funny that was as I was like, yeah, I was having a great day until your fucking happy ass came along like, (laughs) dude, some guy was whistling in the store
1: the other day while he was walking around, just whistling a nonsensical like tune, Uh, like just jazzing it up with a whistle. And I was trying to listen to something. I can't remember what I was listening to, but I was like, I just paused it. I was like, I can't even.
0: Yeah. And fucking whistling like that, it cuts through like yeah, no matter I like, how. I can't like, pay attention
1: to music right now because you're fucking just ruining my fucking life right now. Yeah, and it seemed like I could hear him for so fucking long, and I was just like, "What fucking possesses you to
0: do that?" Yeah, that's a that's a major character flaw. Some shit like that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we're angry young men. <laughs> yeah, I was about to
0: say if we're this, you know, I was about to say like, you know, I'm. I'm, I'm progressive and live and let live on most things. Like I think you should have been allowed to kill that guy. Um, <laughs> I think I could, should have been able to at least file a for, <laughs> file a formal complaint. Formal complaint Um, with the authorities. But yeah, dude, angry young man, great song and a great version of that song on this record. Um, We got a few more to go. Fearless heart. Fearless heart. You can either get through life or you can live it. And if you want to live it, there's only two things you need: an inquisitive mind and a fearless heart. Awesome, Steve Earl. Awesome, just fucking awesome, dude. Um,
1: uh, when, after that quote, I uh I wrote, "It's staggering how incurious so many people are."
0: Yes. Oh my god, I just I don't, I just don't understand. It's not even about me judging those people. I just don't get that orientation to like not being curious about the world. Yeah. You know, about anything
1: in general. Yeah. Like, I mean, even there's, there's so many things. I mean, I don't know how, uh, I don't know how like a lot of technology works. Like, I don't, I, I still really don't understand Wi-Fi. <laughs> oh yeah. Me neither. I get what it's doing. I get like, it's like, and like signals and things are like picking up those signals And hopefully those signals aren't killing me. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, like I get that, but like, and I I understand how like some things work, like I understand how like a record player works, but like, I don't know why that is a thing. I just get that it is a thing. I just accept a lot of things that are, Mm -hmm. but I do like to know like the why and the how.
0: Yeah. And I I think something about, Even if it doesn't make sense to me. Right. Like you're always going to have to pick and choose. Like we can't, there's just not enough time and capacity to learn about Mm -hmm. everything. Right. But just how things came to be the way they are. I think there are a lot of Mm -hmm. people that look at the world and whether they approve or disapprove of something, they just kind of accept like, well, this is how shit is. And don't ever like think about that yeah um, versus like how did it come to be this way yeah that these people live over here and these people live over there and you expect me to things. live for
1: for somewhere somewhere around 80 <clears throat> years on this planet and not like want to know like what the fuck is going on yeah seriously some people don't that's crazy yeah <laughs> that's crazy like i i can't remember if if we've talked about this but I know um, last night I did uh, I did a podcast with my buddy Jamie talking about the Marvels because um, we went and saw it and we always do this uh, Marvel MCU podcast whenever we watch these things but um, I was talking about the how freeing it is when you can point to something and go that's what's wrong.
2: Mm, yeah. that's
1: the thing that's actually wrong. Like, everybody's telling me this is wrong and these people are to blame, but like, I actually know that they're lying and that is what's really wrong. And it's very freeing, even if I can't do anything about it, even if I can point to Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and I can go, oh, those guys are actually what's wrong. I can never touch them. I can never do anything about them. Nothing I say or do will ever affect them in a way negative whatsoever but I can know that they are why my life sucks so much. Yeah. And just knowing that and just it being so freeing to know, well, and there's nothing I can do about it, but at least I can know
0: that I'm not crazy. Yeah. I love, and you know what, man, It's freeing. I think it's freeing. And as you say that though, I think a lot of people do have that drive just about the fucking total wrong thing, right? The same blaming the Mexicans, blaming immigrants, blaming jewish people blaming black people blaming whoever it might be um that is their the misplaced target of their frustration but i think it emotionally and psychologically it serves a similar purpose um yeah for some but people. it never but it never frees you of course not like it never yeah. frees you
1: you'll always need to fill that hole of hate and blame right because you're never well, actually identifying the true culprit.
0: Right. And that's why the people that are invested in instilling that hatred in others don't actually ever want the thing to get better because yeah. that's the grift. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's the joke about like, you know, Republicans that rant and rave about crime in cities. They don't actually want crime to get better. They or, need you know, that shit. They need Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, man. Uh but Yeah. That, Fear... that
1: that's 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 what that's what what he said about fearless heart brought yeah. out to me but the way this sounds is uh the way the song starts with the drums will always be so cool to me dude it's perfect it's awesome this song could be boring it could but it's be not, but, it's, but it's, it's not it's, it's, it's not
0: cool. and they nail the effects on the solo too um mm-hmm. which it which is very difficult to pull off live um yeah, I, I think this is actually a high point.
1: Yeah, record. no, they're keyed the fuck in, dude. It's crazy, and they're deep in the set too. That they're, they're, they're
0: about, deep. they're about to be done. They're about to be done, and frankly, I wish they were done earlier because "I Love You Too Much" still might be, in my opinion, the worst song Steve Earl's ever written. Well, I, I I was thinking about it. Isn't this how
1: he pretended like he was going to end Aviator as well?
0: Yeah, B- baby, baby, baby. Oh, baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> very good um yeah um uh, yeah, this, this is this song's fine i like but i did write i was like this was totally made to seem like it was the last song before the encore and i wrote lmao yeah right
0: yeah man i he this is my only skipper like everything you know there we talked about tolerate a couple, everything else a couple of songs where it's like oh i wish they had done this differently mm-hmm. or whatever but i still fucking love the song This is the only one where i'm like this song makes me mad man yeah like I, I i come out of this like steve you're better than this you didn't need yeah the song isn't even mids it's yeah
1: it's 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 not you it's didn't non-essential
0: you have a catalog of so many good things you just don't even just delete it you don't even need this especially if you don't play it live yeah man so
1: do us all a favor um uh but coming in on their encore with San Antonio Girl, um, I wrote think Brian is out on this song, and if so, what a bitch.
0: Dude, you <laughs> are making I was at work when I wrote all these notes. No. <laughs> like saying just wild accusations, man. I mean, yeah, um, I might be a bitch. I am I this is not one of my favorite songs. What I do say about this version of San Antonio Girl is that I think this is better than the studio version okay I, i'll, I think I'll it, take those i think it benefits from the upbeat live performance and the parts where you can hear the crowd
1: yeah i think the song's fun I, I think it's fun <laughs> on the recording but i i think this is very fun and um me me speaking of me calling you a bitch uh, it just reminded me of this tiktok that Ashton showed me of some guy talking about his boss um will like try to use like um well his boss will accidentally use slang terms, but she's just saying like a thing that she thinks is like a saying, but not realizing that it's like like a, a current slang term. So what she does is when she's going to be out of the office, she'll send an email and say like, hey, um, from one to three today, I'm going to be out of pocket. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, and I like, go, "What are yeah, she getting you getting up to?" <laughs> Damn, what what's you got planned this afternoon? What's, what's my girl getting up to? <laughs> Which
2: rules? So that just <laughs> how like, I
0: that's geez, so funny. I'm
1: being very out of pocket right now. <laughs> I, I
0: wish I could plan when I was gonna be out of pocket instead of it just coming up on me.
1: Yeah, very good. I thought that shit was really funny. That, that shit, is funny.
0: That's part of my uh, personalized uh,
1: TikTok feed that Ashton curates for me.
0: Dude, that's the best. I love, you know, I have I've got friends that send me like screenshots of memes cuz they know I'm not going to like actually see them mm-hmm. on social media. That's shout out to everybody who who keeps me and Tyler uh, abreast abreast of things. Yeah. You know, much appreciated. <laughs> that were my my friend used to have a roommate similar like what well, wasn't on any social media and he would be like if you find out that there's a show that gets booked that you know i want to go to tell me i need you to fucking knock on my door (laughs) you know you'd be like come over unannounced ring the doorbell fucking if i'm not here write down all the pertinent info on a sheet of paper and slide it under the door that's fucking awesome (laughs) nobody ever did but like at the time i was like (laughs) and now i'm like yeah i need people to do that for me um I've been thankful. I'm just in enough good group texts that I feel like people tell me shit. So,
1: yeah, I know. Shout out to everybody who who allows us to exist and have friends. Puts up with us, right? Otherwise, I don't think I would. <laughs> I could
0: just easily, I could easily be forgotten. Um, which, yeah, I, a, a, a former coworker texted me. It was just like, "Hey, this might sound weird, but like, since I deleted my personal Instagram, they were like, I realized I I really missed." Seeing pictures of you and your son. How's he doing? And I was like, that's really sweet. Um, that she thought of that. So like I punished her with tons of pictures, you know, because it's like I'm still taking them, even though I don't have anywhere to post them anymore. Yeah. They're just they're for the fam, man. Ashton still takes pictures of our cats all the time. She doesn't even send them to anybody. She just likes yeah. to have them. I just like to have them. I did. We made a cute um I'll say that this is another dorky thing. Uh, pictures of kieran and my niece you can you can order anything now as you know through like mm-hmm. fucking shutterfly and those things so i got my mother-in-law i can say this won't spoil anything because i don't think she listens <laughs> but if she does she's earned the spoiler um socks <laughs> with her grandkids' awesome. faces on them i think she's gonna be stoked i that i'm stoked for awesome. her. that um, rules but yeah it's amazing that all you got to do is just like log on, like upload the pics. And then like a week later, socks turned up with the that faces on. It's rocks. amazing. That's sick. Yeah. Hell yeah. We got two more songs and we should probably, two more songs. Uh, you know, keep it between the ditches ourselves. Um, he doesn't even say that here. He I know. He hasn't got yet. there to that. He hasn't gotten to that, uh, that vernacular yet. Yeah. So devil's right hand, a song that is still a fixture. The only song he plays uh that is not on Guitar Town or Exit Zero, but or a Bruce Springsteen song. Or a Bruce Springsteen cover, exactly. <laughs> um sorry or if you Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um sorry if you've got a siren going off in the background here. That's just the main streets of Brooklyn where I live. I um see. do uh but even this this version is not what ended up making it. On the Copperhead Road a it couple years after.
1: so slow. Yeah. It is so fucking slow.
0: I I do not like it. No. It, this, this song had yet to be perfected. So
1: where we're at, at this, what's your favorite track on this?
0: My favorite track on this is an interesting choice that you probably wouldn't have expected. What you got? Nowhere
1: Road. Oh, okay. No, I mean, dude we went through the entire uh that would be the second choice for a the best song on that record so and yeah. my it was my favorite song on that record so i got to back my boy on this one you're 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 correct it's a good one
0: on this recording is your favorite uh good old boy it's down the road down the road okay closing it out
1: i think this is a bold set ender it really is man um, and I legitimately think that the bluegrassness on this song that isn't, I don't think, as present on the recorded version. It's not. This 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 is this entire thing is worth listening to just to hear this version of down the road.
0: Yes. With Bucky Baxter on the mandolin. Wow. Um, yeah. Steve had was not playing the mandolin at this point. Um and again, I only know that because I'm watching like you know, watching it on the video. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I love, the harmonies on this are so good. Dude, to, to go out on a song
1: that opens and closes acapella. Yeah. What a fucking risk.
0: What a risk into like your voice, your energy. Like think about how fried most people yes. would be at, after, you know, an hour and a half straight through. Um. And yet, There they are. Like, this is how on point they were at this point. Amazing. Yeah, this fucking
1: rules, dude. Like this, like, I I think I after I did listen to it three times to be sure, like the whole thing three times to be sure this was my favorite thing. And every time it hit that point, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not happier than I am at the end of this. I'm very happy at certain points of this recording, but nothing makes me happier than this. Hell yeah, man. Very good. Like I mean, it's like just American boy, like hearing the electric Harlan man. I was like, oh, this is this is going to be my favorite. And then every time that cover would come on, I would go, "Nah, this makes me feel like I'm going to I'm going to cry, dude.
0: And then it did make me cry. And think about how often that happens with Steve, right? Yeah. Like songs, you know. But that you experience in a new way because Mm -hmm. he's either playing a a a built up different version a stripped down version like there's just they so versatile so many yeah. of the songs he plays like,
1: around so much and it's yeah. it's
0: awesome it's so cool he's a fucking a, a true artist man that is that is a very true statement um well if you haven't yet again i gotta recommend to get the full effect do both you can listen to yeah well, i live- need to watch this now yeah. It's, it's on, and I'll tell you this, it's not on YouTube as a full concert. Again, you just got to thank God for the people that do this. Somebody made a playlist, playlist. where they put everything together, Bless um, up, man! but it, but it follows, you know, it's exact same set as the record just with a couple of, of interesting additional pieces of commentary, but it is, it's really fun to watch the band like groove mm-hmm. um, together. They're having a good time and they, and they, they look and sound great. Um, so yeah, I recommend you checking it out. That is fucking and, awesome. Uh, Tyler, I'm gonna uh, before I go to bed tonight, I'm gonna send you a link to Heavy Metal Parking Lot, which is a short film, um, and and I, I I highly recommend you watch it. I will I will watch it. All right, man. Fuck yeah. Thanks again to all of you for joining us. Take care of one another. Peace.
1: Later.